Good morning, everyone. Oh, good morning. I'm glad to see y'all here this morning. I hope you had a good drive into church. We prayed for you this morning, just that God would bless you as you got here and set your hearts up to receive him this morning. So we're excited to see what he's going to do. Are you excited? Are you anticipating him? I am. It's always good to come together, gather together as God's people. So we're excited with that. Would you stand with us as we begin our service this morning?
before you this morning, grateful that we can gather in a house with all these people believing that you are their Savior. Lord, we are grateful for this season as we get closer and closer to the cross, Jesus. Draw us into you. I pray, Lord, that you will soften our hearts this morning, that we will receive your word, and that you will bury it deep in our hearts and draw us in closer to you, Jesus. We praise you, Father, for all that you've done, for everything you're going to do, Lord. We just anticipate your spirit being here this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you feel welcome here, that you can move among your people. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you for what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Would you turn to someone this morning, tell them you're glad that they're here, and that this is the day the Lord has made. Good morning. It's good to be together, isn't it? And this is the day that the, that the Lord has made. And we are rejoicing, and we are glad in it. 
And what I'm thankful for is that we can live this day with Jesus, got his Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and abiding within us. I am so thankful for that. And I'm also thankful that we can come and rejoice together as a church family. So welcome to all of you. As you came in, one of our beautiful or handsome greeters I know handed you one of these handouts. But if you don't have one, Corey is going to walk around and make sure everyone has one because there is a lot of great information right up here. Raise your hand if you don't have one of these handouts. Robin makes them up for us each and every week and we just appreciate that so much because there is a lot of great information in this handout. First of all, there's a welcome card, a connection card. If you are new or if you have been here a few weeks and you haven't put your information on there, we would love, I would love to be able to be in touch with you this week. Um, so just take a few minutes. There should be a pen right in front of you, at the, in the pocket in front of you. Just grab that pen. You can fill that out and just put that in the offering plate in just a few minutes. So thank you so much for doing that. And on the back is an opportunity to put any prayer requests on there. Uh, we love to be praying for you. We love to pray for each other. So please write down any prayer request on the back there um, that you would like our prayer team to be praying for you. Prayer team meets Wednesday nights at 630 right in Lori's office. And it's a great opportunity to come and, and be in prayer with other believers. I just want to... Um, let you know, if you are still writing out checks, your tithe checks to, um, to the church, just be sure and write it out to our new name, which is Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene, or WP NAS. That's important to uh, be sure and make your checks out to WP NAS or Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. Um, our name has changed, and that's our new name, and that's what our checks need to be made out to. I want to also thank you all for your alabaster offering the last two weeks you have been giving that and you can still give it today um, if you still have your alabaster box and you want to bring that up during the offering feel free to bring it up and just set it here on the table and we thank you so much for uh, giving to our alabaster offering which goes to build buildings hospitals schools on the mission field and it's significant when we all put our change in there it adds up and God can do great things with that um, I also want to let you know, and this is all in our handout, um, that next week we are going to be able to give a love offering for our missionaries in Serbia. Our district is sending a team to Serbia, and it includes Jim Rumsey, our very own Jim Rub Rumsey, who's going. But we want to be able to send an offering from WP NAS to Serbia to encourage and to thank those missionaries that are there working so hard um, to, to share the love of Christ there in a difficult place. So you will get that opportunity next week. So just come prepared for that. Also, next week, we are going to have lunch together. How many of you enjoy having lunch together? I know I do. So next week and in the bulletin, in that, that handout, it will tell you what we would like you to bring. And every one of you, you're welcome whether you're new or old here, please stay and have lunch. It's a great time to connect, a great time to get to know each other. And again, just take a peek in that bulletin. It'll tell you what, according to your last name, what to bring. 
Hey, we also have a new granddaughter, and I think we have a pitch. Oh, my goodness, look at her. Isabel Teresa, she be belongs to Scott and Kathy Meyer, and we just congratulate them. We're so excited. I know, we showed another baby just a few weeks ago, two granddaughters in a matter of weeks. God is pouring out blessings, isn't he? We thank the Lord for little Isabel Teresa. Also, just be sure and read through this handout for a lot of other great information. Now, if you are a child with us here today, please stand up. Miss Tracy is back there in the corner. You are welcome to go on back and enjoy Kids Church. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. We love our kids here. In just a few minutes, our ushers will come and take our morning tithes and offerings. But before that, I just want to share with you from God's Word and what a privilege it is to be able to hold God's Word in our hand and to read from it. I want to read um, the, from the, this is going to be the preaching theme for today from Romans 12, 9 to 13. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Great instruction from Romans. Colossians 1, beginning with verse 19, talks about Jesus and who Jesus is, his true identity. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, because of your evil behavior. But now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Praise the Lord. If you continue in your faith, established and firmed, and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what he has done for us. Our ushers are going to come forward, and we have an opportunity to give back just a portion of what he has done for us. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time of giving. Father, we thank you so much for pouring out your love in Christ to us. 
even when we didn't deserve it, even when we don't deserve it, Lord, you pour out your love upon us, and we thank you. Father, I just pray that as we give, that we will be a cheerful givers. I just thank you, Lord, for entrusting us to give the t- our tithes and offerings. I thank you, Lord, for um, this opportunity to give back to you. Father, I thank you, Lord, also for our alabaster boxes. And, Lord, as those funds go to all around the world to build buildings, Lord, will you anoint those buildings with your spirit? Will you work? Will you draw people to yourself? Will you bring healing to people in those hospitals, Lord? Will the light of Christ shine in those churches that are built? Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we can contribute. You have given us. You have poured out blessings upon blessing upon us. Help us to do that upon others. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you have your alabaster funds, feel free to bring those up and just put them on the communion table. Thank you for your giving. Would you stand as we continue our time of worship?
you realize you've been ransomed? That means you were captive at one point. And now you're ransomed. All because of him.
Father, that's our prayer today. Help us in this season again to stand at the foot of the cross. Look up into the face of Jesus. And know in the deepest parts of our hearts the depth of his love for us. God, give us a willingness and a desire to take the way of the cross in our own lives. Crucify us with Christ. And by that, uh, bring us alive, oh God, I pray. Lord, thank you for this time we have to sing your praise. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the presence of our brothers and sisters. I pray that you'd meet each one at the point of their need today. You know what's on our heart. You know the burdens we carry. You know the situations we're in the midst of. Father, we pray for your sufficient grace today. Pray that you'd strengthen our faith. Pray that, Lord, you would deepen our love. Pray that you'd brighten our hope. God, we want to pray for Leisha's daughter's church today in Wyoming. Walk into a sanctuary and see a collapsed wall because of all the snow. Lord, have mercy on them and just encourage their hearts. But we just pray for all of our churches across this community, across this country, and around this world. A mighty army, Lord, of love and grace and truth. And I pray as we march toward Easter, that Lord, if there are any dry bones in the valley of this world, that you would bring them alive, that you'd bring life to us, that you'd breathe new life into your church. Lord, bring us alive in this season, in this uh, tremendous chapter in the history of this world, God. Uh, stir us, Lord, one heart at a time, one church at a time. And, uh, Father, help us to be the salt and light uh, that you have called us to be, the hands and feet of Christ, the body of Christ in this world. Continue to bless this church. And guide us and lead us and help us, I pray. Now, Lord, again today we pray for ears to hear your word. Lord, what a privilege it is to have the scriptures right there in our hands. To, Lord, recognize where it all began and where it will all end and how to live in between. God, give us hearts open to you today, I pray. Now, let's pray that prayer the Lord Jesus himself taught us to pray together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen Be seated. Always good to be together in God's house. Amen. 
Y'all are looking good. Hope you're encouraged today. So this is the fourth Sunday in the Lenten season, if you're keeping track. I realize for most of my ministry, I have uh, preached from the Gospels during this season. In fact, in my daily Bible study, wherever I am in the Scriptures, I always include passages from the Gospels. Why do I do that? Because Christ is at the heart of our faith. Because Christ is the head of the church. Because I'm following Jesus. Because I want to be more like Jesus. And the four Gospels are the record that we have of the life and ministry of Jesus. So I always include that. Uh, In our staff meeting Wednesday morning, Kelly gave a good talk uh, on the difference between um, maintenance mode and ministry mode in the church. Maintenance mode is we just maintain. We're happy with what we have. We're preserving. Uh, We do much the same as we did last year and the year before that and the year before that. We're just holding down the fort. Ministry mode is uh, more about propagating, having kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and pressing the the boundaries of the kingdom and and changing the means up when we need to change the means up in order to uh, advance that kingdom and connect with people and reach out to those that are not yet saved. The difference between ministry mode and, and maintenance mode. And as she talked that morning, I got to thinking that the difference often is just simply remembering that we've got a mission, that we've got a purpose as His church. And here's what I think. If you're living in the Gospels, and if you're keeping Christ at the center of your faith, you're going to remember mission. Because he was all about that. The gospel is that story. We're going to remember the purpose we have. And if we're doing that, maintenance will not be your mode of operation. Amen? What are you willing to do? Where are you willing to go in order to win some? And if you weren't here last week, you're wondering, why in the world am I wearing this clown nose? Well, you have to. Go to our website and watch the first 15 minutes or so of last week's service, and you'll find out. Okay. Last Sunday's message was taken from Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, which was Jesus' response to that uh, expert in the law's question, well, who is my neighbor? I know I need to love my neighbor, but who is my neighbor? He was testing Jesus, and Jesus told that well-known story of the Good Samaritan, And turned the tables on that expert of the law and asked his own question, who was a neighbor to the man in need? All about loving your neighbor, being a neighbor to those in need. That was last week's message. And I wanted to follow up today with one significant way we can love our neighbor. That we can be a neighbor. That we can love each other. You heard it in the Apostle Paul's instructions to the church in Rome from that uh, 12th chapter of the Roman letter that Kelly read, practice hospitality. Here's my message. Come to the table, the gift of hospitality. Biblical hospitality includes more than inviting someone into your home to share a meal, although I want to spend a good bit of time Uh, on that particularly today. But biblical hospitality is inviting someone into your life, letting them in, into your circle, 
welcoming them into your home, into your church, into your community, into your country. The Greek word for hospitality is phylexonia. It's actually a combination of two words. We heard this word, first word, a few weeks ago. Philo is love, Philadelphia, brotherly love. And xenos is stranger, love of stranger. We're talking about biblical hospitality. Care for a stranger or alien or foreigner, all those words are used in the Scriptures, was a part of the Old Testament law. Leviticus 19, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 10, and you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. We had a lot of opportunity to do that back where we come from, north of D.C., 33 different countries of origin in our congregation. I think before we left, there was an influx of uh, those coming out of uh, Iraq, correct? I think. Yeah, all over the place. That same uh, command carries over into the New Testament, Hebrews 13. I love this passage. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Any Bible story come to mind when you hear that verse? Abraham, remember those three? They were actually angels. Matthew 25 and Jesus' parable of the uh, sheep and the goats, he said his words, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Practicing hospitality in a biblical sense may actually mean housing someone, taking someone in. Romans chapter 12, back to that, the context of Paul's instruction to practice hospitality appears to be the community of faith, the church. Again, be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. So how do we apply all that in our own day? I think without putting ourselves in danger, and you have to use your head at that point, there's plenty of opportunity to practice that kind of hospitality. I think about the guest missionaries. Floyd Cunningham was here last year from the Philippines or an evangelist or others that are visiting here. In the context of this community of faith, you might open up your home. You have a spare bedroom, house them for the night. People within the church or in the community that we know who are in need of temporary shelter. That may happen for us. Since Kelly and I have been here with you a year, we've had several from the community that have been in need that we've housed in a spare bedroom in your parsonage. In fact, you gave a baby shower to one of them yesterday, straight off the street. And uh, in our spare bedroom that night, maybe you've done the same. Well, this whole topic uh, kind of makes me wonder how God sees us American Christians in our big houses and with our tendency to guard our personal space so tightly. I've had to recognize that a bit about myself through the years. Alan Hirsch in his book, uh, Right Here, Right Now, Everyday Mission for Everyday People, in a chapter devoted to rediscovering the joy of hospitality, writes this. 
Is there not a crisis of hospitality in our society? It is tragically evident in homelessness and widespread hostility to immigrants, but it affects almost everyone in less noticeable ways as well. A stranger smiles and we cautiously turn away. In our retreat from hospitality, we find that even friends and relatives sit at our tables less often than they used to. I've seen that trend in my own ministry lifetime. Well, this broader biblical hospitality is worthy of more attention. For today, I want to focus on those friends and relatives and church folks and neighbors and even strangers that we might invite to our table. And I'll focus on that the rest of my time. The scriptures are certainly filled with examples of that kind of hospitality. Perhaps the kind we think of mostly when we hear that word. When I imagine what happens when we practice hospitality, a number of scenes from the Gospels and Jesus' life and ministry come to mind. Maybe they come to your mind too. First one that always comes to my mind on this subject is from Luke chapter 19. Jesus is making his way into Jericho. Short little Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, and I'm guessing not well liked in that town because of his role, uh, scooted up a sycamore tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus. And Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus welcomes him. Hospitality. I had a tips pastor, a interim pastor like uh, us, uh, that landed in his uh, church recently, and he said, I want all you guys to invite me over before I leave. I think we might go with that next time we do this, right? Just invite me over. In Matthew's gospel, the ninth chapter, soon after Matthew's decision to follow Jesus, Matthew also a tax collector, he holds a dinner for Jesus and his other disciples and some of his tax collector friends practicing hospitality. In John chapter 2, Jesus went to a wedding, probably held in a home. Didn't have wedding venues back then. And then one of my favorite scenes is in John chapter 21. We're thinking of uh, occasions in the Gospels when people were together, gathered around a table or sharing a meal. John chapter 21 is post-resurrection. The disciples have gone back to fishing for the day and haven't caught anything. And Jesus is on the shore and he sees that and says, hey, throw your net on the other side. And they do and they catch 153 fish. And then they recognize it's Jesus. And Peter puts his clothes back on and jumps in the water. I never have quite understood that. And when they get to the shore, Jesus has breakfast cooking. And it includes the invitation to come and eat. That's just beautiful. And and all of those occasions and so many others in the Gospels are just beautiful everyday kinds of times together. And there were some significant things that happened in those times. That breakfast by the sea was the occasion for Jesus' restorative conversation with Peter. To whom he asked three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And if you do, here's what you need to do with the rest of your life. Jesus' first miracle happened at that wedding in Cana of Galilee. 
and began to display his glory. And I like trying to imagine the conversation that was held during that dinner party where Jesus' disciples and Matthew's not yet saved friends, not yet on board friends, were sharing uh, dinner. Matthew introducing his friends to Jesus over that meal. That chief tax collector Zacchaeus, something must have happened when Jesus came to his house because he did a 180. And he's selling half of all that he had. And he would have been a rich guy and giving it to the poor and paying back anybody he had cheated out of money four times what he owed. There's something about sitting down together, being together, being together at the table, sharing a meal, having someone into your home. I believe that's a sacred and timeless practice. That's biblical. It's one of the last things Jesus did before the cross and resurrection and his ascension. Think about that. Shared a meal with his disciples. In fact, that last supper became the Lord's Supper, a sacrament that we share in uh, as a church. Sharing meals characterized the vibrant life of the early church that was growing each and every day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It's part of one of Jesus' greatest invitations, Revelation chapter 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Sharing a meal is a means of, an indication of, friendship fellowship, and significant life-giving, life-changing things happen around the table. In that same Alan Hirsch book, he tells about a trip he took to Kabul, Afghanistan, 9,000 miles of flying. He lands in a country that is different than any country he had ever been in, uh, hurried uh, from the airport to his host home uh, so that they wouldn't be noticed. After he got there, the place was kind of stark. The hosts weren't there yet. And he began to wonder, is this crazy that I'm doing that? Back in the Taliban days, he was tired from his journey, laid down for a nap and uh, dozed off, slept for a couple of hours. And when he woke up, he smelled the, the, the smell of baking bread. And food being cooked. And the house was warmer and his host had arrived. And they were so gracious and had a a great meal. And they sat around that table swapping stories. And they encouraged him. Kind of gave him a heads up as to what he would face. And later on he wrote this. After I crawled into bed I wrote in my journal that I felt so much better than I did a few hours earlier. My journey had just begun and the next couple of weeks would include trips deep into Taliban infested territory. But a feeling of safety and calm took over my earlier uneasiness. There was something about my host that had brought peace and a new energy to my faith. Without mentioning it, they identified with what I was going through and did everything they could, not only to make me feel at home, but bring the presence of Jesus to bear upon my situation. That's what can happen around the table. That's what can happen when we when we bring someone into our circle, into our home, when we get together with them. We're talking about practicing hospitality. And I believe we're all called to it. 
Now, some of us are gifted in that area. Some of you are. We've been beneficiaries of that. Kelly's gifted in that area, and I've asked her to come to share just a few real practical uh, things to keep in mind, perhaps, uh, when practicing hospitality, and especially inviting someone into your home uh, or uh, sharing a meal with them. You might want to get a pen out and write these down. I think these will be pretty good, because some of us get kind of freaked out with that. If it wasn't for Kelly, I'd probably get freaked out about that, but I've got kind of used to it after 37 years now. So what do you got for us? Well, in the mornings, I like to open my Bible. I like to spend time with the Lord. And what I've learned is many times as I am spending time with the Lord, sometimes he will lay someone on my heart to invite over to our home. And one thing that I have learned is I always, always, always want to say yes to God. If God lays someone on my heart, I want to say yes. Um, So I think that I have kind of learned to maybe be prepared for that. There has been times that we have been at church on a Sunday morning and there will be someone visiting and God will say, invite them over for lunch. And I will think, I have nothing in the crock pot today, um, but I still want to say yes to the Lord. And then as I'm going home from church, I'm saying, okay, Lord, you told me to invite them. I hope I have something in the cupboard that I can mix up. Um, And I always do. It's just amazing how God, when he lays something on your heart and you say yes, He provides the means to be able to do that. Um, But I have learned also just to kind of be prepared for those things. And here's just some some tips. This is kind of cooking with Kelly class here. Um, But first of all, you can also come up with great excuses. And I've tried these excuses with God, and they don't work. Um, One thing is I'll tell God, well, my house is way too messy to have anybody over. Not a great excuse. I'll say, well, I'd like to take them out, but, you know, we really just can't afford it. It's expensive to do that. Or I might say to myself, oh, I'm not a very good cook. They're a really good cook, and I really have no idea what to make. But those are just excuses, and they don't work, so don't even try them on on God. Um, But a few pointers that I just want to give you today. Um, First pointer is just don't obsess over a clean house, you know? Just open up your home. It is what it is. You might want to wipe down the bathroom, but other than that, you know what? It is what it is. In their house, they probably feel the same way. And will probably feel much more comfortable if you invite them in and your house just looks like it is when you, you know, are living in it. So they've not come to inspect your house. They've come to spend time with you. Second thing is keep the, the meal simple. It doesn't have to be six or seven or eight different kinds of dishes to choose from. I usually only have four. Main dish, salad, bread, and dessert. Four things. That's enough. doesn't have to be too much. They're not even going to really remember how clean your house was or what the food was like. But they're going to remember how you made them feel when you welcomed them into your home and around your table. And the the encouraging conversation that you had. That is what they are going to remember. Another thing is when your guests offer to bring something, always say yes, because that allows them to contribute. People want to feel like they have something to contribute, and it takes one thing off your plate, and it allows them to be empowered and feel good about being able to contribute to to the meal. So, So always say yes. 
Also, when you go to the store and you think about, you know, what you're going to buy, um, think about some ingredients that you can have on hand for a quick meal. You know, there's four or five cans. If you buy cream of mushroom soup, if you have that in your pantry, you can make anything. It's kind of the Dawn dishwashing liquid of food, cream of mushroom soup. And one thing that I like to do is when I go home with, like, hamburger, I'll go ahead and fry it up and freeze it already fried up. Chicken, I'll go ahead and cook it and freeze it already cooked. Throw it in, and it makes a quick meal. So just some things that you can think about so that when God lays that on your heart, you are ready. Also, maybe buy a frozen lasagna or two. Keep that in your freezer, something you could put in the oven when, uh, some, when someone's coming over. Another thing that uh, I like to do is, is both Ben and I, we work together. I don't work alone when we have people over. We work as a team. And if, if you're single, you can work as a team with, with some other folks. I know of a, of a widow who has decided um, one day a week, she and four or five other widows, they get together and they do a meal together. One of them hosts the meal so she doesn't have to cook anything and the rest of them all bring the food. And then they can invite someone else who eats alone to come and join them. And I thought that's a great idea. So work together as a team so it's not all on one person. And I learned something from you, um, from Cliff and Bonita, who also have the gift of hospitality. Um, they invited us to go out to lunch, and they, they taught me something. I, I just love this. They said, now, we're going to buy your lunch today. But people in the church here, when they go out to eat, eat, everybody just picks up their own ticket. And I really like that because that's a pressure. We want to eat out together, but, you know, it can be expensive. So maybe just by setting that out there and saying, hey, you want to go out to Joni's for lunch? We can just split up the ticket so everybody knows right away what's expected. And that way you're practicing hospitality. You're eating together, but it's not a financial burden on you. So keeping things simple, you know, preparing a little bit ahead of time enables you to say yes to God when he puts someone on your heart to have them over or to take them out or to go out to eat together. So I just wanted to share those little tips with you that, have, that uh, I have learned over the years. Very good. And that was at no extra charge, those tips. In January of 1985, I found myself sitting across the table from a pretty blonde who was serving me for a birthday dinner, beef and cheese dumplings and German chocolate cake. And two weeks later, I knew she would be the one I'd marry, and sure enough, nine months later, I did. And I've been benefiting from Kelly's gift of hospitality for 37 years now, so that's good stuff. Perhaps the most significant thing that happens when we invite people over, share a meal, or just have some time together is conversation. When I got to this place in my uh, prep, several random conversation-related things came to mind. I'm going to throw them out there. You've probably all heard this rule of thumb to avoid at all costs talking about two things, religion and politics. I'll just offer my opinion. Those are two things we need to learn to talk about. Also made me think of a friend back home 
died at the age of 52, way too young. But he used to grieve the fact that all we ever seem to talk about are new sports and weather. And though there's a place for that for sure, there's a place for talking about things that really matter in life. And I wish we did that more. I've said this before in this year that we've been with you. Be intentional about getting together with people who are different than you. Who perhaps uh, you have a hard time getting along with or understanding. And have good conversation. Get to know each other. Try to understand each other. And I would suggest some good food in the mix doesn't uh, hurt. (laughs) You already see those action items up there. On this uh, subject of conversation, I've included four in that uh, Lenten season insert. Learn to listen. Really listen to people. I think I hit this back in the fall once. Learn to listen. If I'm honest, there's about one in 50 that I run into that are good listeners. Maybe it's because I'm a pastor and that kind of comes with a role. Pastors do a lot of listening. At least I hope we do. We should. But learn to listen. Don't just be waiting for your chance to speak. Listen to people. In that same uh, spirit, learn to ask good questions that help you learn about and understand others. I want to hear your story. I want to know how you're doing. I want to know where you've come from and where you're headed and what's going on now. Third thing's important, genuinely want to hear their answers, want to know their story. I think that really flows from the love that God can give us for others. And fourthly, be willing to tell your story when given the opportunity. Be willing to be transparent. Be willing to be vulnerable. One of the most significant things that happens as we practice hospitality is conversation. And those conversations can be life-changing. You with me? There's some evangelism training developed by, I think, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ called Three-Story Gospel, and it just basically is this. Hear people's stories, be willing to tell them yours, and to connect their story and your story with Jesus' story. I love that. This past week, I uh, took Millie, our dog, for a walk one afternoon and got out to Evergreen Heights about the same time as a young guy was coming off of 67, apparently walking home. And uh, we just met at the exact same time. And he had had labs growing up back in Kentucky, east of the Mississippi. So there was a connection there with uh, this Easterner and uh, found out he had played some pickleball. And in a 10-minute walk together, we connected in a number of ways as a dentist in town. I hope he'll come to church one of these days. I invited him. His wife is Paige, a little girl named Veda. It's just amazing to me that when you ask questions or when you just acknowledge the, the presence of another human being out there that was, is within physical prom- proximity and you genuinely want to know how they're doing, what they'll tell you and the kind of conversations that you can have. Someone once said that we may win the world around the dinner table. And I believe that's true. Last week, I asked the question, 
How do we get to know our neighbors, literally the people who live next door? And I think it was Leslie back here from Louisiana, a little southern hospitality. So we'll invite them over. Well, cook them some food. Well, that's exactly right, Leslie. Exactly right. Back at our old farmhouse uh, in Maryland a few years ago, we had uh, the chimney cleaned, and it was a mess. And it's a big job. That chimney stack is way up there in that two story old farmhouse and uh, the young guys working that job uh, took them a little longer than they expected and it began to get dark and before I knew it they were sitting down at our dinner table Kelly had asked them if they wanted to stay and they said sure and there we are eating with a couple of complete strangers around the dinner table who had just cleaned their chimney we may win the world around the dinner table Those kinds of connections and that hospitality can happen in a variety of ways and in a variety of places. We had a great Italian dinner the other night with the Carries, and we've been out to eat with a few of you, and that's all sweet. There is something special about biting somebody into your home. There was an author and professor, well-known in uh, Great Britain, who had been on uh, faculty at the seminary 20 years, been out to eat and whatnot with many of his colleagues, but he realized after 20 years he had never once been in any of their homes. wonder about you guys. When was the last time you had somebody from this family in your home or been invited into theirs? keep thinking about that wedding supper of the Lamb we tried to imagine a few weeks ago. That table stretching as far as the eye could see with people from every tribe, nation, and tongue gathered around the the table set with the finest of foods and glasses raised in toast and laughter and conversation and swapping stories and just so much celebration and joy. I believe that's how uh, life forever is going to begin. Maybe think back to all the beautiful times that I've had around the table that I've experienced through the years. All glimpses, I think, tastes of what's to come. Opportunities to share life, uh, know each other, come to understand each other, love each other in a deeper way, reach out, include. None of which can happen if we're not together, if we're not practicing Hospitality. Hospitality is a gift to others, a gift we can give others in Jesus' name. Practice hospitality. It's a lost art that needs to be regained. In her book, Making Room, Christine Pohl says, Today, most understandings of hospitality have a minimal moral component. Hospitality is a nice extra if you have the time or the resources, but we rarely view it as a spiritual obligation or as a dynamic expression of vibrant Christianity. And I believe it is sacred and timeless. I believe practicing hospitality holds a significant place in the continued health and healing and growth of this church. You're doing it. Potlucks and those of you that open your home for small groups and those of you that have people over or get together, you're doing it. 
Let's do it more and more. Dead serious, friends. This is biblical, and I believe it's key for you in this chapter of your life. Well, Kelly found a video that we used back home once. It's actually a commercial, and uh, it's a beautiful little picture of what can happen when we invite people to the table and practice hospitality, especially in what is a divided and disconnected culture these days. I want to cue that up. Volume's up, Doc. Take a look. Let's bring those lights down, Lisa, please. moves me. This disconnectedness, we can bring those lights back up, and the divisiveness that's in our culture today really grieves me. The fact that we can't have conversations with each other without reacting might go off here a little bit. You know, when God looks at us, he doesn't see labels or political parties or roles in life or color of skin or anything. He just sees us. 
thought about another hospitality moment when Jesus allowed a member of the Jewish ruling council in a Pharisee named Nicodemus, Nick at night, came under cover of darkness. Jesus let him in. Had a conversation with him. And my guess is it was life-changing for Nicodemus. It was Nicodemus along with Joseph of Arimathea that came and took the body of Jesus down off that cross. Friends, I'm not talking about a nice little topic today. I'm talking about something that God calls us to. We've got to cross aisles. We've got to cross streets. We've got to cross cultural barriers. We've got to get past our our angst and our anger and our hurt. I'm talking about a, a means of reconciliation. my drive back from Kansas City last week, I'm not even sure I've told Kelly this. I always try to tell Kelly things before she has to hear it in a sermon, but I've decided I love that drive across Kansas. I know that sounds really weird, but I just love driving and thinking and praying and being by myself. I mean, and there's nothing to look at. I mean, you just, just got to pray. Anyway. I drive back from Kansas City, I was, uh, I was thinking about this next chapter for Kelly and I, and you know that 35 years in one church, and now it's all, you know, it's all different. And I thought, if God gives me 20 more years to live, you know, if I live to 83, you know, what do I want those 20 years to include? And, you know, I don't know that we've answered that question. Here's what we're doing for now, but a one-line mission statement that I used for much of my life and ministry came to mind. And, and I thought, that's, that's good. No matter what form it takes, this is what I want it. I want the next 20 chapters to be. And here's the one line. Bringing people together and to God. And I've come to believe that it most often happens in that order. As we come together with our neighbors, our our family, our friends, brothers and sisters, the lost. We really bring God to them. God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. Put some perspective on hospitality and times together and relationships. I only keep you two more minutes, but this is worth reading, I think. In that uh, chapter I've alluded to in Hirsch's book, I love this book. Keep coming back to it. See if I can find the chapter. I'm going to read the last two. Sums it up well. Sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Food is the product of our work and extension of our very lives. Breaking bread around the table of fellowship is both a symbolic and practical witness of the unity of the body of Christ. By bringing the fruit of our labor to be shared with others, we are saying, my life for your life. Hospitality is about making places in our lives for others. Isn't that what it's all about? It is lived out on several levels and in many ways. It encompasses friends, family, strangers, and neighbors. It is a daily opportunity to practice selfless missional living allowing us space to show love and affirm the dignity of others, regardless of their cultural status. The only thing holding back hospitality 
is us opening our hearts, our arms, and our homes. I want to pray over that. Let's stand together. Father, here we are, your church, followers of Jesus. with a mission and a purpose called to love our neighbor as ourselves, called to love each other, called like the good shepherd of our souls to sometimes leave the fold and go searching for the lost sheep. God, I pray in this Lenten season that we would turn from any preoccupation with or love of comfort or security that Lord you would take our caution or our fear and replace it with a passion and a desire and a love for others that God would play out in very tangible ways like we've talked about today. May it be so. And Father, today I want to pray especially for our church here that we would continue to grow, that we would do what we've been doing even more and more. Lead and guide us in these days and in the days ahead. Bless us and make us a blessing, I pray. May your word today find a place not only in our hearing, but in our living and in our hearts. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You want to send us, or should I? I send you. <laughs> Thanks for being here today. God bless you. Have a great week. Be an encouragement. Be Christ's hands and feet to someone. Forgiven, drowning out the end.